Hear that? That's the sound of your car's NCT getting closer. But this year, why not rely on an Avantcard loan rather than luck? If it's time to upgrade your car to something newer, it's time you contacted Avantcard. Avantcard offers loans from 5,000 to 75,000 euro, approval in principle in minutes, and personalised pricing made for you. Find out more at avantcard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avantcard DAC Trading's Avantcard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are things today? Uh, things are all right. It's just one of those days. It's kind of a loaded, <laughs> loaded question there when it comes to the Blueprint. This is, uh, I think this is our third time. Matt, you, lo- you like to give the peek behind the curtain. We'll do it here. This is the third time we're trying to record with our guest today. And uh, <laughs> if it wasn't, if he wasn't such a great guest, we probably would have given up by now. But uh, we are glad to have Kyle Francis uh, Kyle is a writer uh, for Dynasty Football Factory. He also does some work with me at Dynasty Command Center. Kyle, how are things for you today? I'm great, guys. It's glad to be with you for the, the third time. <laughs> we, we are glad to have you. Uh, and, and we're not going to waste any time today. We're going to jump right to it just in case anything crazy happens again with this, with this technical behind-the-scenes stuff. Kyle, today we're going to talk about the 2019 rookie class. I know you do a lot with... Uh, Devi with college fantasy, and I think you probably know these college players uh, maybe better than anyone else around. Um, you've helped me out with a ton of uh, a ton of my drafts and things like that. And I, I've said it before; I don't think I've ever asked you about a player that you didn't have a well-informed take and and some some thoughts on. So I've certainly always been impressed by your work. Let, let's talk about this 2019 rookie class, or at least the presumed 2019 rookie class we always have those players that surprise us and stay in school I think the past two years we've kind of been spoiled Uh, we we know what the class of 2017 gave us with Kamara and Fournette and McCaffrey and Hunt and and all these all these players running backs especially it looks like at least early on we might have more of the same in 2018 with this class how does 2019 compare with with almost a year to go before we actually know what that class looks like? Sure, I, I think it compares favorably, but I think it, the the trend is going to be changed. And you just mentioned some of those premier backs who we're now seeing as sort of cornerstones for uh, people's dynasty teams. I don't know that we're going to be looking into this class and probably getting too many other players um, of, of a similar likeness to what you just described, but I do think that we're going to see uh, a return to some of the uh, potentially really productive wide receivers. So I'm excited about the class. The, the majority of my Debbie shares um, are from this class, and, and that's for uh, a number of different reasons, but uh, I've got quite a few of these receivers, and some of them we'll, we'll, we'll talk about today. Very cool. I am very excited to learn about this group because I'm going to be like much of many of our listeners and kind of Learning as we go. Don't really even know the names yet, necessarily. Yeah, it seems like from from what I've seen and read, it seems like wide receiver is the strength of this class. It sounds like you think that as well, Kyle. What about the running back position? That's Again, we've been spoiled the past couple of years. How down is the 2019 running back class? Well, it's interesting. I, I actually just recently was doing a bit more digging and really kind of getting into some of the data and a few different things like that. And I kind of pulled a group of eight to 10 guys that I felt had the highest likelihood of being, you know, potential first, second or third round picks uh, in the NFL draft. And we we won't get to all those guys today, but just pretty much what my findings were is, is there wasn't a whole lot in there. There wasn't a lot that left me really optimistic. There was a major uh, question mark and or red flag with almost every player in there. So there weren't a whole lot of guys that I'd be willing to, to bet on really highly. 
but I do like the versatility that some of the guys bring. Uh, there's especially some some dynamic smaller guys who have done a good job uh, being productive as pass catchers that are exciting a little bit later. Um, but I but I think this group could have more uh, guys maybe made more in the Naheem Hines made in that mold than some of the other um, you know top guys that we've seen like Barkley and and Geis and uh, that that whole crew. So it's safe to say that there's not a back in the Barkley guys, you know, stratosphere this year as they as where they sat a year ago. There, there's one for me, and, and he's a guy that we'll get to in just a little bit. But it's mm-hmm. but it's Iowa State's David Montgomery for me. Uh, he 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 is the one guy that that I believe could could be that type of player. And I have one other uh, that we'll also uh, touch on in just a little bit. Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma. That if I had to to bet on a, a second a second guy kind of fitting that mold, he would be it. Um, for me, Montgomery would be in the mold, yes, of the the Barkley guys, but uh, Anderson, I would I would have him um, a, a little bit back, but probably still, uh, in my estimation, will be a, a 2019 uh, first round rookie pick. But you'd be shocked if there was any more than two NFL first round running backs or something. I right? would like, I, I would be yeah. shocked I would be shocked if there was two. Period. Yeah, I, I, I right. would I would comfortably bet on the under one and a half if given that option right now. Makes sense. All right, Kyle, what we're what we're going to do today is ask you to kind of give us your top twelve. Look look ahead a year, look ahead several months beyond this college football season and essentially project what the first round of rookie drafts might look like in twenty nineteen. So we're gonna ask you to do a one round, one man mock draft. And let's go ahead and get that started. Who are you taking with the 1.01? 1.01, I'm taking Brian Edwards. He'll be a, a true junior wide receiver out of South Carolina. Um, one of the, the main things that I like about Edwards, other than what he's able to do on film, because, again, that's going to be pretty subjective for a lot of people, but it's a really important part of my process um, so he checks all the boxes for me on film of a, a prototypical outside receiver. But one of the things that I think is really interesting about him is we're getting more and more um, data and sort of people behind uh, breakout ages and dominator rating and some of the other things that are kind of becoming more popular in our Debbie circles right now. And so if you go back and you look at, at Brian Edwards' profile, he actually had a, a breakout season as a true freshman as a 17-year-old. Um, he, actually, he actually didn't turn... Uh, 18 until uh, November of his freshman season. And so as far as I've been able to tell, he, he's the only player that's ever been tracked to break out at that age. So um, that's something from a predictive standpoint uh, makes me feel pretty optimistic um, that, that, that he's going to be really successful. And, um, you know, being able to see him as a true freshman beating guys like Tease Tabor and, um, you know, even just when he was matched up in the open field against a guy like uh, Vanderbilt, Zach Cunningham, and, you know, breaking his ankles uh, in the open field, doing some things like that as a 17-year-old kid um, ha- has me pretty excited about what, what he's going to be able to do in the future. Was he a monster recruit? He wasn't. He's, he's a local guy from, oh, wow. the, from the state of South Carolina. And like I said, he's, he's at the University of South Carolina. But he was, uh, I believe he was a four-star recruit, so he was highly thought of, but he wasn't a guy that a lot of people were going to know about uh, if you weren't kind of in that general area uh, li- living in South Carolina or sort of in the Bible Belt area. Yeah, Edwards is certainly a guy that, that Debbie owners and Debbie players know pretty well. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of these receivers that are in this class, and I'm sure you'll talk about most of them that are there at the top. If you look at rankings, I know you guys have some great work at, at DFF and we have those Devi rankings at DLF as well. And, and other sites do also, but there's just, you know, there's a handful of wide receivers and, and you see them in different orders, depending on who you talk to, how much of a tiebreaker do you think Edward's age might be? I mean, is that, is that enough to push him to the top? Like it, I mean, you, you obviously have him as your top guy, but uh, is age enough to do that or, I think it's really just going to de- depend. I-, I think just kind of knowing uh, in most of my leagues, people's kind of processes are so different. I'm not in any leagues where it's just sort of people are just going down one 
set of rankings or or list or you just kind of know everyone's going to be in on breakout age or dominator rating. I don't have any leagues like that. I think I have a lot of leagues where people have different opinions. So I do think it's it's something that helps to to kind of tip the scales in, in his favor. But he, he's a guy that I would have liked. I liked him before I even really knew a whole lot about breakout age and dominator rating and things like that. So for me, it was a nice cherry on top. But I liked him because of, of what I saw in his game uh, as much as anything. So like I said, that's kind of a, an added bonus for me. I know we're going to talk about a lot of wide receivers. And I think the term NFL number one wide receiver gets thrown around way too much. Like to me, there's there's definitely not 32 of them. There might only be a dozen, you know? I mean, could he be in that stratosphere? He is. And I actually, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, wrote, I wrote a profile on him probably about a year ago or so. And I'm not real into comping players and things like that. I really only do it if someone is uh, asking me to and they're steadfast and really wanting me to do that. I can try to come up with something. But mine's just more if I'm watching a guy and they remind me of someone then I'll say, hey, that's my comp for someone. So I think when I've watched him, um, I've seen some elements to to, to Des Bryant in his prime. Um, so I, I think that there is there that to me that I, I think he, if I were to say who is the who is a, a prototypical NFL wide receiver one, I think Des would probably be at the forefront. Um, you know, for a lot of people, um, you know, maybe not the past year or two, but I think when we're kind of thinking in this last era, if you will. Yeah, and over these past several years when wide receiver has really dominated the value uh, in dynasty leagues, I think it, it seems like it's that, like Matt's saying, kind of that prototypical wide receiver one, the big-bodied guy, the, the 6'3", you know, 215, 220 guy. And, and I, just, I think back to Mike Evans, you know, that was like everybody wanted their receiver to look like Mike Evans. Um, a, a few years ago and and now we've kind of seen we've kind of seen things move away from that actually but a lot of these players are back in that mold and, and Edwards is one of them one of them 6'3 215 that's what you want your wide receiver to look like my hunch is if he's that young he'll probably be two and a quarter before he knows it too I, I would think so I think he definitely has the frame I don't I don't know what he's come in and, and weighed in at yet but I think he he absolutely could he's 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 well built and he's I mean he's pretty thick um, in, in general but I think just the more uh, the more that his body's maturing in the you know another year in the strength conditioning program I, I I tend to agree with you if he if he wanted to I think he could certainly play at that number. All right, Kyle, I I love the Edwards pick. It's it's a little bit different than maybe the consensus rankings, which that's really why we had you on here. Like I said earlier, I respect your opinion. I knew it might be different than you might hear on another show or might see in. Uh, in those consensus rankings. So let's keep it going. Who is your 1.02? My 1.02 is a guy by the name of Kelvin Harmon. And he also is a a true junior and he'll be one state up from Edwards. Uh, He's a wide receiver for North Carolina state. A lot of the things that I talked about Edwards could apply to him. Uh, Pretty, pretty similar players. Um, Both show some nuances, route runners, both in a uh, comparable size um, if, if I were to just go back to this past class, um, both of them have the ability to play above the rim uh, a bit like Cortland Sutton does. But I think the thing that they have, uh, the advantages that both of these guys have over Sutton is um, a lot more technical route runners, a lot more refined. And we're starting to hear a little bit more of that um, from some of Denver's players about Sutton that, hey, he's great on kind of what, what he can do and that's go up and get it. But can he do other things? And that's why his development could take um, a little bit longer. But I think that both Harmon and Edwards are a little bit more advanced uh, from that standpoint. But like I said, he's, he's a similar size. And um, he's, he's a guy that I think he, um, he – his touchdown numbers, if you just look at him last year, he only, he only scored four or five touchdowns. And I think that you could sort of look at that and just on the surface assume that he's not going to be a major uh, red zone threat. But I don't think that's the case at all. I think he's actually uh, a really effective, effective weapon in that area. But I don't know that they necessarily utilized him for for a number of reasons that way. I imagine that probably changes this year when they get close to the goal line and they don't have, uh, you know, Jalen Samuels and Naheem Hines to do some of the creative things they did near the goal line with him. But he's another guy that's your prototypical uh, wide receiver X and, um, kind of checks some of those breakout uh, breakout boxes because he already has that under his belt. So uh, a lot of the metrics guys, I think he'll be he'll be attracted to them as well. 
Yeah, Harmon, you mentioned the touchdowns and, and th- that running game that NC State had a year ago is the first thing I thought of. So uh, he should certainly see more of an opportunity this year, as you mentioned. And, and both Harmon and Edwards, neither of those guys are really burners, are they? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. I think both of them will run somewhere probably right, you know, in the four fives, mid four fives would be my guess, four five five. Uh, I think that'd be a great time for both of them. Um, Harmon actually, he, he may actually run a little bit. He's a bit, pro- probably a bit more sudden than Edwards. Um, he, he could maybe run a little bit better, but actually if memory serves, I think that, um, Edwards may have run like four, five, two or four, five, three in high school, which meant he probably was a 16 year old doing that. So I think, I think they'll both probably be in that range, which for me, that's, they've, they've got plenty of it. So it's safe to say these guys are absolutely prototypical, exceptional prospects, but they're not quite Julio Joe. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say that that's that's a pretty good a pretty good comparison. I think that they're some of their productivity. I'm an Alabama fan, so I got to see Julio uh, up close and personal, which is both uh, beautiful and and very maddening at times because he didn't um, you know always have the the best passers throwing it to him. But yeah, I, I think that I I'm, don't know that I'd put them at, at his level, and that's just because I think he's probably the best wide receiver prospect that I've. I've really ever watched, but I think that they are, uh, for me, they're, they're much, uh, closer to that level than anything we've seen in the past couple classes that I will say. It's pretty exciting. So through two picks, we've got two wide receivers. That's very different than the past several classes that have been dominated by Barkley and Barkley and Geis and, uh, Fournette and McCaffrey and, uh, all, all these guys, we, we know all these names, Ezekiel Elliott. It's, it's been a while since we've seen a wide receiver at the top, especially two wide receivers at the top. Who do you have at the 1.03? Well, now we'll, now we'll jump back into wide, uh, excuse me, running backs. And it's the guy that I alluded to earlier. It's Iowa state's uh, true junior running back, David Montgomery. And so Montgomery's a guy that I, I happened to catch him. Uh, I think it was November of his freshman season. So I guess that would have been late in 2016. I happened to be watching uh, one of their games and just saw him on a few runs and, and catch a couple balls. And he wasn't a guy that I'd heard about. He was only a two or a three-star recruit. Um, maybe, maybe only had one um, FBS offer. He was um, not very highly recruited at all. He was a, a dual-threat quarterback in high school. And I think sometimes – um, that can be a challenge for us as analysts that do fantasy. That can be a challenge to project how a guy translates. And I think it was also a challenge for, um, you know, your, uh, just your, your, your college recruiting services. So I, I don't think that they um, kind of knew quite what he had either. Um, but he's a guy that's really versatile, um, caught 30-something passes last season, has really good hands. Um, one, of the, one of the toughest runners that there is, I think stylistically, he, he reminds me a bit of Darius Geis, just in how aggressive he is and how challenging he can be to bring down. Um, he's listed at, at 5'10 or 5'11, depending on where you look, but he may not be quite that tall. He runs with a really low center of gravity, um, really, really challenging to bring down. And um, I think that there's a lot of people that, again, uh, kind of like how you could look at, at Harmon's uh, touchdowns and not be all that excited. If you just want to look at uh, what I believe to be a pretty archaic stat of yards per carry, and you see a guy that he only averaged four and a half yards per carry, you could wonder, you know, what's this guy talking about? How could he possibly think that this guy's a, a first round back? And that's, if you just look a little bit further, um, pro football focus actually uh, tracks the missed tackles forced for, for running backs. And he actually broke their record this season. He, he forced 109 uh, missed tackles this season. And uh, that was a, a, a better season than um, Dalvin Cook had a couple years ago, than Leonard Fournette had a couple of years ago. Uh, he shattered their record. So he, he was able to create uh, better than any, any back has been able to do since Pro Football Focus has been charting that. And ultimately, that's what I want. I want a back that can create because a back could have elite talent and end up behind an offensive line like Cincinnati's in 2017. And we could all be wondering what's the deal with Joe Mixon? Is he a bust? Uh, the good news about David Montgomery, we've already seen what he can do behind a terrible offensive line. Um, and he was able to have, you know, a uh, nearly 1500 yard season as a, um, as a runner and receiver out of the backfield. So if you look at the running backs from this class in the last few, 
Is it pretty safe to say that he's probably gotten the least help of all of them? Oh, without a doubt, I, I can I can sure, actually really? show that to you just looking at, at advanced statistics and um, you know college fantasy and college football in general doesn't have quite the abundance of uh, advanced statistics that we have access to if we're looking at NFL fantasy football. But still, if you're looking at like uh, Football Outsiders and you're and you're looking at their uh, advanced metrics that track uh, offensive line performance that he had. I think that they were, um, they ranked right around uh, 100 to 120 in almost all major rushing categories. And that's out of 130 teams. So he had one of the worst offensive lines in, in college football. So he was, he was hit on average, I think about 0.9 yards uh, past the line of scrimmage uh, mm-hmm. on every play. And then gained, you know, I believe it was about three and a half yards uh, after contact on every rush. Um, so he, he had his work cut out for him and certainly was able to produce. So um, I'm not at all concerned about the, the yards per carry, but I would like to see him get a little bit better offensive line play this season and break some long runs because he doesn't have a lot of breakaway runs um, under his belt. And I think that that can pretty easily be explained by what I just said. It's pretty hard to break away if you're having to shuck two guys off you two yards behind the line of scrimmage just to just to get back to the line. It's pretty amazing that he may actually have an easier go of it in the NFL than he did in college. Absolutely, I, I think yeah. that it's it's that's well with that's well within reason, and, and that that sounds crazy to say, but um, you know, and I think that he he's a guy that um, can, like I said, he's a really good pass catcher, and so I think that he can um, line up and do some things in the slot and, and create mismatches that way. Um, I think from a usage standpoint uh, from this class, he could be. Uh, most comparable to uh, Le'Veon Bell, just from the uh, the type of asset that he could be as as a pass catcher as well, um, and he has, like I said, a comparable comparable size to some of the feature backs that we see in the NFL. Ryan, I want to take a minute to tell everyone about a new sponsor of ours. We're getting sponsors left and right because we're growing. Spread the word about Dynasty Blueprint. This one is Warby Parker. So what you need to do is go to WarbyParker.com/slash/DynastyBlueprint. All one word. And they are a previous sponsor from a while back. And I remember when I got in touch with these guys, I, you know, I'm like, oh, my wife needs a new pair of sunglasses. That'll be cool. We'll we'll set her up with that. I went to the site and I started browsing around. And before you know it, I had picked out six sunglasses for myself, had them shipped to my house for their home try-on program. That's what they do. You go to the site. You pick any six frames you want. You can get regular glasses. You can get sunglasses. I'm kind of a sunglasses snob from my scouting days, being out in the sun all the time. Spent up to like three, four hundred bucks on sunglasses. And these are my new favorites. You know, so I went and I picked my six. They ship them to your house. You try them on. The family helped me pick which pair I wanted. And I got them back in no time. And they're now my number one favorite, you know, pair of glasses. But then what happened was my wife started stealing them off me. So when we got in touch with Warby Parker again this go-round, I set her up with them, and she just finished her home try-on program with six different frames, and the kids kept telling her, yeah, no, pick that one. So she just picked hers. Her pair should be here any minute. She'll stop stealing mine. And since then, I found out, which is really, really cool, for every pair of sunglasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. So... They're, they're helping people through their program as well. So buying glasses can be expensive, annoying, overwhelming. But Warby Parker has the answer. By cutting out the middleman and selling directly to customers online and in their stores, Warby Parker is able to provide high-quality, great-looking eyewear at a fraction of the usual price. The prescription glasses start at just 95 bucks. That includes frames, lenses, prescription lenses, and coatings, the people behind Warby Parker feel that glasses should not cost more than your iPhone. You might be thinking, how could I? How could you possibly buy eyeglasses online? With Warby Parker's completely free home try-on program that I just told you about, you absolutely can. You, you get you know, a handful of glasses, and you have them shipped directly to your home. Then you have five days to try them on, show them to your friends, family, like we did here. Pick out the pair you want, ship them all back, and then they'll send you the ones that you chose. And at a great deal, because you go to warbyparker.com slash dynasty blueprint. And they'll even call your, how about this? So even call your doctor if you don't have your prescription handy. So they do all the work for you. So go go to warbyparker, W-A-R-B-Y, parker.com 
slash Dynasty Blueprint, all one word, to get home with a free try home free home try on setup. DwarbyParker.com slash Dynasty Blueprint to find your perfect pair of glasses today. Kyle, one thing on Montgomery, I was thinking as you discussed uh, and and described his uh, kind of his profile was because of that lack, just the lack of running backs in this class, as you talked about earlier, I, I wonder if, if that scarcity of the position pushes his value up even more that uh, if he's the number three prospect or if he's the number five prospect in a certain set of rankings, maybe he goes two, maybe he even goes one because there are so many wide receivers. Uh, Do you think think that that is a possibility? I do. I think that's a really good point. I think that it makes sense, especially I think that there's going to be a lot of people that are just gun shy to go back to receivers. It doesn't matter if if these guys have um, the the type of productive seasons that we hope and um, they all do well at the combine. There's still going to be, I think, some trepidation for some owners to go ahead and and get back in with with the running back. So I think that, uh, like I said, I really do think that a lot of people are going to be scared by that yard per carry number with him. Um, my anticipation is that goes up this season. You know, they 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 had to kind of uh, just patchwork the offensive line together last year and flipped over a defensive tackle to come over and play. And so hopefully that's more established and that's better. But I mean, I think if he if if he has another productive season and he goes up over fifteen hundred plus total yards and 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 does sort of what he what he did again, um, I think it's totally that's a that's a very valid point that he could end up going first because you may not have too many options in the first round at a running back. Let's keep it going. Who is your 1.04 pick? The 1.04. Well, Matt, if you're going out to scout him, you're going to need your Warby Parkers because you're going to have to go out to the, uh, to, to, uh, to Tempe, Arizona to see uh, Arizona State's Nikhil Harry. Uh, here's another guy that he's going to be made in the mold of uh, the prototypical uh, wide receiver one, uh, comparable size-wise to both Edwards and Harmon, uh, may not be quite as sudden as as both of the guys, uh, as as either of those guys are. Uh, but again, his his above the rim skill is 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 right up there, and as good as as good as anybody's. Uh, really productive season last year. Didn't get great quarterback play, but was up over a thousand yards. Um, has has really been productive. Um, the, the whole time that he's he's been in college, and, and he was one of those mega recruits. I believe he was a five-star prospect. He was really highly thought of. Um, actually, interesting, interestingly enough, um, and something to sort of monitor with him moving forward, uh, and I guess I can just sort of uh, drop this in now, but moving forward, there's going to be quite a few guys on this list that I think that uh, monitoring their health is going to be vital uh, moving forward. And, and I would say with Harry um, as well, that's going to be really important. Uh, when he actually start, first started playing football when he was a, a kid, um, I, don't, I don't know how old he was, but I don't even think he was a teenager yet at the time, um, he actually suffered a couple of concussions, and it was to the point to where uh, they were recurring, and uh, his, his doctor actually advised him to stop playing football, and so he actually stopped playing football for a number of years and focused on basketball, um, and you can go back and look at some of his basketball highlights. They're, they're pretty grisly, but he's um, throwing down dunks and shattering backboards and just running amok uh, as a high school basketball player. Um, his high school football coach was at one of those games and came out and said, hey, we got to have you out there and play football. So he decided to go for it. Um, from my understanding, he hasn't had any uh, concussion issues since. He hasn't missed a game in two seasons at Arizona State. But I do think it is worth monitoring, especially with the way that the NFL is trending now and, and their – um, you know, more awareness being around uh, concussions and CTE and everything else that if if he were to, um, you know, uh, deal with any of those uh, this year, that would be something that I think could potentially put a damper on, on his value. Um, but it, but in terms of what he's been able to show on the field, uh, again, just going back to, like I said, uh, prototypical uh, Des Bryant style receiver. Um, and, and I think that he he's he's another guy that's poised to have another 1000 1000 yes plus yard season uh, in 2018. And he has a rugged style of play though. I mean, he's going to get hit a lot and he's going to dish out punishment and 
if the concussions are a lingering thing, that could be a concern. Yeah, the way he's been used, it's been more, I mean, you see him more, the violence is just kind of in how he's laying out and making acrobatic catches and different things like that. From what I've seen him, he's not catching a ton of, you know, bubble screens and has to do a lot like that where he's going to be hit. But I, I could see there being, you know, potential impact issues just because he is one of those guys that if you just kind of throw it up, his catch radius is massive and he's going to, uh, he's competitive where he's he's not gonna he's not gonna shy away from contact. So um, I, I do think that could potentially be a bit more concerning with him because I don't think he's gonna be a guy that's gonna uh, listen to the hey catch it and slide type deal. Alshon Jeffrey type? I would say so. I think I think that that's a pretty a pretty okay. fair comparison. Kyle, this is why I love talking to you. I always learn something about these players. I had no idea about the preteen Nikhil Harry concussions. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think anybody else did either, except maybe for Nikhil Harry and you. So uh, <laughs> once again, I'm pretty impressed. Let's uh, move on. Who is your 1.05? I decided to go back with actually a running back here, and he was the guy that I mentioned earlier. He's uh, Oklahoma's uh, running back, Rodney Anderson. And like I said earlier, if, if I'm going to bet on another running back, being able to be a you know uh, first, second, third round pick that's going to have the ability to be a team's feature back and, and, and really valuable from a fantasy standpoint. He's going to be my second pick uh, from the running back position. He really, uh, a lot of people probably didn't know as much about him if they were just sort of casual football fans. But if you watch the college football playoffs, um, he had some really, really uh, impressive games. I think it was against, I think it was against Oklahoma where he had 200 plus yards in that game. And I think he really um, got a lot of attention from that standpoint, but he was a guy that sort of later in the year, he really started uh, picking up for them. Um, his recruiting profile, I don't really remember what much about him as a recruit. I really didn't know anything about him. Um, but in kind of... Uh, looked, Ended up at Oklahoma. Somebody must have liked Yeah, him. definitely. So he definitely, yeah. he, he wasn't a guy that's going to be probably a two or a, a three-star recruit. But um, actually, it was 2015, uh, the second game of the season against Tennessee. He broke his leg on kickoff. And so that kind of hindered his development and then it was uh, right before the 2016 season got underway. He actually broke a broke a bone in his neck, um, which can be pretty which can be pretty scary. And I'm um, generally as a, as a fantasy owner, I'm I'm pretty conscious of of injuries and especially neck injuries and different things like that. Um, from all that I've been able to read about, it's really been described as sort of a freak injury where he didn't damage any discs. It was actually somewhat of a non-contact injury from my understanding, where it was just bothering him really badly one day at practice and, and the trainers pulled him out. Um, but as a result, he had to wear a neck brace for a number of months and um, he was having a really, really good camp and was actually being rumored at that time to be pushing guys like Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon. Uh, for playing time, and he would have been a redshirt freshman at that point, I believe, or maybe a true sophomore. Um, but he was able to overcome all of those things and came on last season and just really had a massive season. And uh, Oklahoma had a couple of talented running backs, but they really leaned on him late in the season. He's an effective pass catcher, uh, the prototypical size of what you'd want, six foot, 220, um, runs, uh, has pretty good speed. And uh, can run physically, but for being being the big guy that he is, he's actually pretty nimble and, and, and shows some pretty good agility for a guy like him. So I think he also admits, uh, fits the, the bill of a guy that you can keep on the field for three downs. And um, as long as he doesn't have, uh, specifically for me, as long as there's not any net concerns coming out in 2018, uh, he'd be a guy that I'd be pretty confident about. Um, but again, that's something that that is something that I would be, be monitoring if there were um, another issue that may... Uh, change change my thoughts down the road yeah Anderson's had some off-field stuff as well is that right he did and that was that was actually I think right before that uh, that game against Georgia he was um, uh, accused of of, of um, something or a number of things and um, I'm not sure the exact terminology I don't know if I could say that he was acquitted but there was nothing further um, he wasn't there was no criminal charges pursued but it was kind of a, a scare for him and it actually surprised quite a few people that he had that come up and then elected to uh, go back to college for another year because he was eligible last season to go to the draft. And um, with the way that he finished the season, a lot of people thought that he might. Um, but I actually uh, was reading something the other day that, that he felt like he wanted to, you know, repair sort of his, his image uh, off the field as well as continue to submit his legacy on the field. All right. So we're, we're at the midway point. Who's your 1.06, Kyle? 
My 1.06 is going to be a, a wide receiver from Ole Miss. It's going to be A.J. Brown. And um, he's going to be a guy that probably, if you had a lot of other people on that, that, that do some Debbie rankings, he might show up a little bit earlier than this. Um, he's a guy for me that uh, I'll go ahead and start with what my concerns are with him, and I'll, and I'll lead with those. Um, my, my concerns are he's has the body type, uh, really high BMI, uh, six foot six one, but every bit of two twenty five. Um, big strong guy. He he actually was uh, was drafted straight out of high school by the San Diego Padres. He was a really good outfielder, um, but elected to to go into uh, play at Ole Miss. But he's a guy that he's been used exclusively out of the slot for Ole Miss, and uh, the offense that they run is really really runs from. Um, runs uh, through their through their slot receiver. So he was really productive this past season, um, had nearly uh, 80 catches and um, well over a thousand yards, um, averaged 16 yards per catch. So he was able to do damage downfield. Um, and a lot of that was after he would after he would make catches. He wasn't always running um, you know deep vertical routes. He was actually done a lot on used a lot in some some shorter and intermediate routes and then he's really tough to bring down after the catch he's he's not going to be a burner but um he's a bit like a running back after he catches it with just how big and physical he is he's really tough to bring down um so we haven't had the opportunity yet to see how he projects to be able to beat uh press man which a lot of these outside receivers are going to have to do uh in college so you're going to have film on that and you're really not going to have a lot of that on him uh, to begin with. And so uh, the other issues that I could see potentially arising with him would be um, he took part in a, in a high school combine. Uh, there's a lot of athletes that have the opportunity to do some of the core tests that they'll uh, eventually one day do at the NFL combine. And he didn't partake in the full gambit of those, but the two exercises that he did do were the short shuttle and his vertical jump. And, uh, those numbers weren't good at all. Um, he was, um, I, I compared his numbers to how he would have fared if, if he had those same scores in the, in the 28, in this past combine, I guess that, yeah, that would have been the 2018 NFL combine. And he would have ranked either last or tied for last in both of those exercises. Hmm. Um, so those are some concerns that I have about him. And maybe that wasn't the best way to lead with him. If you're just hearing about him, maybe you're not as excited, but you know, again, I think it just speaks to the type of, the, the type of actual player that he is, an athlete, if you'll give me that leeway um, to uh, call him a great athlete, even if he may not have tested like it in certain areas. But, you know, this is a guy that's going to be a high draft pick in, in two sports. And, and for me, that's that speaks volumes to a guy that can pretty much pick, uh, you know, what sport do I want to be a millionaire in? And, uh, and so for me, he's a guy that I think that there's going to be those concerns the production is going to be there. That's really exciting. I think that's going to be one of the things that just captivates a lot of people. Um, I really enjoy it. I, I, I appreciate that element of his game. Pro productivity is really important. But I'm going to be really curious. He's going to be a guy for me that I could see him, I, yeah, potentially even climbing up a bit from here. I could see him creeping into, um, you know, a, a slot or two higher for me if, if this is after the combine. But I think that his both his combine and his landing spot are going to be really important. I think he's going to need to land in a spot where, um, you know, Jarvis Landry did for all of those years uh, operating out of the slot for Miami. I think if he if he can test out just okay athletically and he can land at a spot where they're not going to try to make him into something he's not, then I could get really excited about him. And uh, a guy who would be an example of that was I wasn't all that high on Christian Kirk uh, before – um, the combine or, or the draft, but once I saw him land in that premier uh, sort of slot role in Arizona and get tethered to, to Josh Rosen, he was one of my biggest risers um, in, in kind of my rookie ranking. So if he could if he could have a favorable spot like that to land, I think he could be one of the most productive wide receivers in in this really really talented class. He he sounds a lot like Marquise Colston, which some people might think, eh, that's not so exciting. Maybe a better athletic version of him, better mover. You know, Colston was a seventh-round pick, and people didn't know how to use big slots back then. And then the other thing I just wanted to note was when you said he was in a highly accomplished outfielder, a bell went off in my head and said, I bet he has great ball-tracking skills. Yeah, I think that that's uh, the, both of those are, are great points that you bring up. And, and I do. He, he is a really good ball-tracker, um, has really, really strong hands. 
Um, I, I think I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I don't think drops were, were uh, really uh, uh, any of his issues last season. Um, I think a lot of it's just going to be it may take a little bit of acclimation, um, similar to like what we're seeing with Cortland Sutton right now, a little bit of refinement from coming from a scheme that you're only asked to do a certain number of things. That certainly doesn't mean that you're not capable of doing other things, mm-hmm. but where we're at right now in the process, also having to weigh some of the risk-reward uh, I do think it's prudent to think about what we don't know and what may come back with an answer we don't like. And so I think for me, that's why I may be just a little bit lower on him than uh, than the consensus rankings right now. So when you see a guy that's 6'1", 225, and, uh, and is a good ball tracker, has good hands, why is he playing this lot? Because I think I think if we if we look at I guess what the what the goal of football I look at the goal of football is to to win games and so that's what the the staff at Ole Miss is tasked with doing it's what their livelihoods depend on and I just feel like they believe he's the best fit um, playing out of the slot there and and that's because historically um, this offense uh, the offensive coordinator this may be a bit too inside baseball but we've already gone there with Harry so. Uh, the, the offensive coordinator uh, is Phil Longo, and so he actually came from a program, Sam Houston State, uh, in Texas. And so you can actually go back and you can log. They have a pretty rich history of their slot receivers being, you know, uh, between 1,000 and 2,000 yards a season um, from a productivity standpoint. So I don't want to say his productivity is manufactured, but I don't know another way to, to put it that way. But uh, they're a better football team because he played there, and I think that's because – um, that's just the first look for the quarterbacks in that system. And then also the other problem was their, their starting quarterback uh, last season was uh, Shea Patterson, and he actually just didn't possess the arm strength to push the ball outside the hashes. And, and there's a guy that we'll talk about uh, in just a minute that uh, was the outside receiver that unfortunately um, was, was uh, tethered to, to Patterson to start the year and just he couldn't get him the ball. So I think it makes sense from their standpoint. It's frustrating for us because our our goal is not Ole Miss winning games. It's, hey, let us see how good this guy's going to be as a pro. So um, it makes sense, but it's also frustrating. So do you think he could transition to the outside once he's in the league? I think so, but I don't know so. And so that's that's where even for me at this point, I, you know, I could make a case for for dropping him down even further because there's some there's some talented receivers that I haven't talked about yet that I do feel more confident about their ability to do that. But again, for me, I, I'm not. I I do think that the game, both in the college and the pro game, is trending more towards where you can be more a wide receiver one playing out of the slot. It's it's a little bit unorthodox, but um, you know, you mentioned my background with. With college fantasy, I'm fine if I fill a college fantasy roster with nothing but, uh, you know, slot receivers. That's perfectly fine with me because they're prioritized a bit more in the college game. Larry Fitzgerald's doing it pretty well right now, too. I mean, he's a big slot, go up and get it guy. Uh, last thing on Brown, you you mentioned the, the baseball uh, career. We saw the North Carolina uh, incoming freshman essentially choose baseball over – Football, we saw uh, Kyler uh, Kyler Murray get drafted and essentially say his football career is over after this college football season. And, and, and even going back, what, Matt, 10 years ago, Jeff Samarja shocked everyone and went baseball instead of football out of Notre Dame. So is, is there any chance Brown does that? Is he still playing baseball for Ole Miss? No, I don't even think he actually ever even played baseball for Ole Miss. I think he went in and just focused exclusively on um, on uh, football. There, um, he does have on his. Uh, I follow him on Twitter. His his Twitter profile mentions uh, that he's still a San Diego Padre. So I don't know enough about how all of that works. I don't see it being something for him where he decides to go and play. He seems pretty committed to football, and and that's probably going to be where his future is going to be. All right, we are halfway through our mock draft. We're going to pick up the pace just a little bit. Kyle, who's your 1.07? My 1.07 is uh, Minnesota True Junior receiver Tyler Johnson. This is a guy that I uncovered last spring uh, in their spring game. And he's a guy that uh, if you're into uh, breakout age and you're into dominator rating, this is going to be a guy that you may have him even higher in this class than me. He had a 70% dominator rating last season. 
Um, just absolutely incredible. Uh, I will kind of do a quick aside on that. A lot of times if a guy has a, a, a high dominator rating like that, to me it doesn't necessarily mean he's as dominant. It can, it can just mean he is clearly the best option on a low volume slash poor passing offense. And I think that was the case with him. Because when I look at his skills, um, he was, uh, again, he was a dual threat uh, quarterback in, in high school as well. Um, he averaged a touchdown every six times he touched the football. So he's explosive, uh, to say the least. But he's still learning to be a wide receiver. Um, you know, I'd like to see him be a bit more aggressive at the catch point. I actually was just watching a bit more of him somewhat recently. And uh, there's some good footage of him on um, – uh, Josh Jackson uh, from from Iowa, who just was a, a high draft pick in the NFL, where uh, there were a few times you could just see that um, Jackson was a bit more uh, aggressive, and I would have liked to seen him um, be a little bit more so in that area. But from you know the type of athleticism that he has, the fact that he was uh, as few as a couple of years ago a quarterback, and he's already been able to show what he's been able to do, um, has me really excited. I see a lot of versatility in his game. I think that he could be a guy like DJ Moore, that if they wanted to play in the inside, they could. If they wanted him to play in the outside, he could. He's got good ball skills where he can go up and get it. Or he's really, really talented after the catch as well. But I think regardless, he's going to have the type of skill set and the potential ceiling to, to continue to grow because he's still you know, in the infantile stages of his development that I think he has a lot more to offer uh, in the years to come. I don't know that he'd be wise to stay at Minnesota um, for too much longer. Their quarterback play was as bad as any in the country last season, and I don't know that it's going to be a lot better this year, which again probably means he's going to have a really high dominator rating again, which can be great, but there's still going to be some questions that need to be answered because you know, you'd know you like to see him get a little bit more uh, volume, a little bit more consistency. What does it look like for him to, you know, um, you know, run a little bit more variety of routes that, that his quarterbacks are, are, are capable of, of working with him on. So he's a guy that he's, he's more athlete than refined product at this point, but um, really excited about his talent. And then uh, also, like I've mentioned previously with the, the metrics that he has in his favor, I think those are things that point towards him being a really good player. Was he this often missed when he was open? He was, and I mean, some of it was just, I mean, it was really, really bad. I wouldn't wish anyone going back and, and, and watching too much of, of their season uh, <laughs> on anybody. It was really, really rough. <laughs> so Johnson's maybe the first name that, uh, even if you play Devi, you may not be too familiar with him. Uh, if you had a shallow Devi draft, he might still be available. Certainly a player to monitor uh, and one that we could really see break out. You mentioned DJ Moore and comparing him. He could, you know, if you're right, he could have that DJ Moore ascension as far as his dynasty value as well, potentially. Yeah, I think, I think that that's a good point. And, and it's, it's easy for, you know, with just how, how recent sort of the more ascension was um, and more, more was actually a guy that, that I liked a good bit. I wouldn't have had him this high coming into last season, um, but he was another guy that had terrible quarterback play pretty much his whole time at Maryland and was able to do a lot with a little. And so I do think that there are uh, a number of parallels between both of their games. 1.08, who do you have? 1.08. This is going to be the other guy that I mentioned for Ole Miss that um, really was um, negatively affected by quarterback play. And that's a uh, DK Metcalf at Ole Miss. Uh, again, made it in the mold of uh, Harry Harmon and Edwards, who I've already mentioned, uh, absolutely, undoubtedly is an outside wide receiver. Um, probably one of the, the better looking guys, uh, when, when he gets to the combine, he's going to, he's going to be getting quite a few looks from, uh, from scouts and GMs alike. He's going to look pretty good getting off the bus, uh, a really, really terrific athlete. I've, I've heard, um, some mild concerns from people that I respect about his speed. Um, I don't, I don't, see that to be the case at all. I think he has really good speed. I think he's really sudden. Um, I think he absolutely can be a threat in the red zone. He just, uh, I actually pulled the numbers today. He had uh, 43 of his passes last season were off target. And uh, to put that in wow. comparison, this is how this kind of started me down this trail today is um, the talk was about uh, Corey Coleman. And I think 31% of his uh, targets were 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 off target. His passes were off target last season, 
and that was like in the five worst in the NFL. And so let me reiterate that again. He was 31%. Metcalf was 43%. So significantly worse quarterback play uh, from is, is what he got. But he still managed to be pretty productive. Um, he may not have touched all the benchmarks as far as breakout go and different things like that. But he's a guy that I think the combine is absolutely going to help. I think he's going to be a better uh, pro receiver than he is in college. Um, there's part of me that even considered moving him up higher than this. And, and I actually may because um, I think that he is sort of um, unfairly um, maybe knocked down a bit by myself included because his production isn't as elite as some of these other guys. But I think it's pretty easy to trace back to why that is. Um, but he's a guy that I think is, 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 pretty, is pretty exciting um, for, for NFL franchises and he'll have two years left. And, um, my guess is he probably comes out after this year, but, uh, who knows? He could come back as well. In terms of ceiling, his is very high though, right? Without a doubt. I would say as, as high as if everything clicks for him, I would say his ceiling is as high or higher than anybody that we've talked about. Yeah. I was going to say he was another one of those top recruits who's, uh, actually fallen off a little bit due to that lack of production. All right, the the back uh, the back third of the draft here, 1.09. Who's your pick? 1.09, we're going to go uh, another receiver here. This is going to be Jalen Smith, uh, the wide receiver out of Louisville. Um, he's a guy that he was really productive last season, um, caught nearly, I think it was six or seven balls a game for Lamar Jackson. Really excellent ball tracker. Another guy that's made in the mold of your prototypical outside receiver. 6'4", 220, runs really well, tracks the ball really well. Really good, um, really on any area of the field, whether it's short, intermediate, or deep. He can, he can beat you any which way. And I really value versatility in wide receivers, and that's something that he has. He's another guy that he's really young. Even though he's playing his fourth season, I think he's only 20 or 21. Um, so he's definitely on the younger side of things as far as receivers go. Um, he, he actually, uh, just yesterday, I, I saw this. He was uh, rushed to the hospital. He had an emergency appendectomy. Um, but from what I could read, it doesn't look like it's going to affect his season at all um, upcoming. He did miss a couple games last season with a wrist injury. But um, I, I don't, I don't hold a, a wrist injury as something that you know. I don't really think that that's going to be it's a fluky type of thing. Yeah, yeah a, a danger moving forward, and um, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. There's there's uh, three receivers in particular on this Louisville team. He's the only one that I'll mention here, but uh, a couple other guys, Des Fitzpatrick and Seth Dawkins, are some really intriguing names as well um, that I could see being. They'll both be eligible next year with, with more eligibility to go, but I think their trio um, is, is one of the more uh, interesting groups of, of three of any, um, of any wide receiver group. But Smith's a guy that can do a little bit of everything. Um, he, he was, uh, I don't want to say falling out of favor, but he doesn't get talked about a lot, which is, which is again, a bit surprising to me. I had him as a top 10 receiver uh, going into last season because he was going to be eligible and then had a productive season, but... Um, doesn't seem to get the accolades of some of these other guys. But for me, he's a guy I really like. Yeah, of course, uh, I get a little bit of local coverage with Smith and, and the Cardinals. I First of all, I was surprised that he didn't declare for the draft, especially uh, after we knew Jackson was going and, and that connection would be, uh, would be ending. And, and then as far as the more recent news, there, there is some local concern that he'll miss the opener, which, uh, Kyle, you know very well, is against your Crimson Tide. So uh, I don't think you're worried about that game in general, but you, you might not get to see Smith suiting up. Well, I, 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 don't know, I don't know with him healthy how much difference it would even make, as you alluded to, but I, I didn't realize that. Thanks for that. I, my assumption was that he was going to be fine, but... Um... That yeah, that that also seems like it could be a pretty quick turnaround on a uh, type of stomach surgery. So hopefully, hopefully everything goes off uh, well for him and he's able to get back, whether it's that game or the next. Who is your one point ten pick? That's going to be Amon Richards, another wide receiver, uh, true junior uh, from Miami, and he's going to be a guy that he is a a really really talented deep threat. He broke Miami's um, receiving record as a freshman, um, so he was able to uh, really come in, and, and I think it was Michael Irvin's record that he broke. He was able to uh, 
uh, come up and, and post nearly a thousand yard season as a true freshman. So he, they've had a few good ones. Yeah, they they do. And so the fact <laughs> the fact that he that he measured out as 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 the best um, uh, freshman to me speaks volumes. Um, he did miss a, a portion of of last season with injury. He appears to be good to go. Um, one thing I will say about him, I've I've been able to get a lot of. Uh, uh, local Georgia coverage. So that means that I've been able to hear uh, Mark Richt uh, talk about skill players over the years. And he's now at Miami. And I will say that when he talks about Richards, it's about as glowingly as I've heard him talk about any receivers that he's had. Um, so, so he's a guy that um, has a ton of talent, uh, again, really versatile not going to be an elite. I don't think he's going to run an elite number in the 40. Um, he has recently run, uh, I believe, a 4-3 at Miami. When I when I look across the board at Miami, I don't I don't think that their testing numbers are anywhere um, where they're actually going to come to. Um, I think all of those numbers are a bit trumped up. But he's a guy that's really sudden, really explosive. Um, can be a guy that can stretch the field, but he's also willing to block. He's willing to catch the bubble screens. You just want to get him the ball. And so I think he could be in store for a really good season uh, for Miami this season. Um, they've actually talked about moving him around. I actually would like to see him work a little bit out of the slot as well because I think he could be dangerous just with, um, you know, if you give him a little bit of cushion with the way that he can run routes and he can explode, um, I think he could be pretty dangerous there in a, in a progressive offense in the NFL. Interesting. Kyle, who's your 1.11? 1.11. This is going to be another guy that, based on talent alone, I would probably have higher than this. It's going to be Debo Samuel, the, the receiver out of South Carolina. He's a guy that he is he has missed uh, two and a half seasons uh, so far in college due to injury. Um, so he's had a number of things. I don't know that they've necessarily been the same injury or something that's recurring, but there's definitely been durability issues. That's without question. So for me, I actually um, have, have dropped him back even even uh, recently here, a little bit later in, in this draft since the first time I really put pen to paper with it. But I do think that I probably wasn't giving enough merit to the fact that his injury history is as extensive as it is. I like him a lot as a player. I've gotten a chance to watch him a good bit. Um, in terms of uh, I keep mentioning the the versatility word, but here's a guy that that takes a, a backseat to no one in college football in that regard. That um, if you just look at how he started last season, it was so disappointing. He got hurt for a number of reasons, but you know he uh, took the opening kickoff of the college football season against NC State for a touchdown. Um, he threw a touchdown either that game or the next game. He caught another. He may have run for another in like a three or a four game span. So here was a guy that they were just doing anything and everything they could to get him the ball. So he, he's a guy that you can move him all over. He can help you on special teams. Uh, again, the, the, the knocks on him, the concerns that I have, he hasn't been able to finish the season healthy. And so that's a really, really big deal. Um, and he also is going to be an older prospect. That doesn't bother me as much. I know that I've spoke glowingly about some of the guys that break out as a young player. That's great, but for me... I'll use Anthony Miller as the example right now. I don't think anybody cares what age Anthony Miller was when he did anything. I think that guy's poised for a monster season in Chicago. So for me, you can throw all that stuff out the window at a certain point. And if a guy's a great fit in an offense and he has a certain skill set, I don't really care. And, and, and for me, that's about where I'm at with Samuel. Um, again, if he gets hurt and he can't finish the full season – He's not going to be in in the first round of this for anybody. Um, but but for me, based on his talent, if in a vacuum, if 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 he was uh, healthy and the same age as all these other guys, which I know he hasn't been and he's not, I'd have him very very near the top of this list. That sounds like the only negative you have to say about him, really. It is. It, it absolutely is. Now, he's a great teammate. He's everything you'd want. You know, you're not going to have any issues with him off the field. He's going to be a great locker room guy. He's going to block. He's going to. He's going to do everything that you want to have a guy do for your football team. But 
Um, I, I actually just just recently read an interview with him, and one of his main goals he had was was stay healthy. So I think he knows how big it is, sort of in a a contract year for him, if you will, that he really takes care of his body and does everything he can to to put himself in a position to 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 um, you know stay healthy and and get through the combine and everything else like that. I haven't I haven't heard anything about this, but if I were him, I'd I might say, hey, coach, how about you take me off special teams this year? Um, that that may help him. Um, you know, set him and his family up for a, uh, a more successful financial future. You're really leading in the fourth quarter. Maybe pull me out a rep or two, Coach. <laughs> well, he's, he's not going to do that. That's, that much I can tell you just from, <laughs> from, from watching him. But I could see maybe, maybe the special teams. But even that, like I said, I don't think he's that type of guy that he's, 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 he's a dog. He's going to want to be in there giving it all he has. And sometimes that can lead to injuries too. So Sure. Kyle, let's finish this thing off. Who's your last pick in this first round mock draft? My last pick, and I don't, I don't know that I've, I've ever done this before, but I actually have a tight end um, in the first round. So this is going to be Iowa's Noah Fant. Uh, this is going to be a guy that's uh, a bit near and dear to me and uh, my colleagues at the Debbie Watch. He's actually become a friend of the uh, a friend of the group and a friend of the pod over there. He's been uh, gracious enough to to come on with uh, with my buddies and and do uh, some interviews uh, with them. But this is a guy who was an absolute monster last season for Iowa, and uh, Iowa is no stranger to producing uh, NFL tight ends. Uh, they've got a pretty a pretty nice um, recent lineage of of sending tight ends to the NFL, and and, and Fant looks to be the most talented uh, of the group in terms of what he can provide for you as a pass catcher. Is it t- is it, it clear to say that he's well coached and tough? I mean, those seems like go without saying. Without he is, saying. and actually, his his yeah. uh, offensive coordinator is Brian Ferentz, who is the son of Kirk Ferentz, but maybe a little bit uh, more exciting. Uh, Brian Ferentz was Rob Gronkowski's coach in 2011 with the New England Patriots, so yeah. he's another guy that knows how to to coach the tight end position, how to utilize the tight end. Um, I like Iowa players in general when it comes to projecting them to the next level because they are going to get really, really good coaching. Um, they're absolutely going to be asked to block. He's a very, very strong player. Um, one of the things that I probably wouldn't have included him here if I wouldn't have known the other big piece of this puzzle, and that's how he's going to translate as an athlete. And in Iowa's recent uh, spring testing, his vertical jump was 42 inches and his short shuttle was 3.98 seconds. And those are going to be elite numbers for any position. I mean, those are going to be better than a defensive back. That's that's probably going to be better than the best defensive back will do when he goes to the combine, if he can put those numbers up again. So absolutely crazy that at 6'4", 6'5", 240, 245 pounds, he was able to wow. do those things. So he was a touchdown machine last season, had some – focus issues with some drops uh dropped a few balls especially a really important one late in the game against northwestern that i know he said has haunted him but he's a guy that i think is going to project as a a player that you could leave on the field he's not going to be um totally in the evan ingram mold or mike gesicki where you're going to say hey just catch and that's it and they may not see as many snaps but this is a guy that actually could contribute on all your downs help you out in the run game and then be an elite pass catcher. And so for that, I think he's um, I, I would be absolutely shocked if, if he wasn't the first tight end taken uh, in this upcoming NFL draft. Uh, a lot of these other guys, I could see it sort of a toss up. I don't think there's anyone um, in his uh, in his realm uh, as far as the tight ends go in this class. Kyle, great stuff as expected, as always. Uh, we we've enjoyed this kind of look ahead to the, 2019 class so much of the talk every offseason is about uh, of course that current group of rookies we've talked about the class of 2018 a ton as I know you have as well but we wanted to take this time as as the college football season gets a little closer to look at the potential 2019 class and and just what that can bring and and I'm getting pretty excited about it especially uh, you know I love building around wide receivers so it, it looks like it's coming back around that wide receivers could dominate this draft. It sounds like fans are a better prospect than all of them. Yeah, I, I think that he he <laughs> is is certainly uh, in terms of in terms of the gap between one and two. Uh, for me, that's it's 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 about as pronounced as you're going to see at any position group in any class. 
uh, for me, even dating back the past few seasons. So I think, uh, like I said, I, 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 yeah, that could possibly be a partial indictment on the rest of the class, but I think it also speaks to, you know, here's a guy that's going to check absolutely every box that you're looking for. And with the, the importance, um, you know, being placed on, on the tight end position and a lot of, you know, tight end premium leagues, as well as the way that it's moving, it's moving that direction in the NFL. Um, I, I think he, he is a, a really, really excellent uh, tight end. And it's, it's unlike me for, to, to put one this highly, but I wouldn't have mentioned him had I not felt that he was a, a slam dunk prospect. Kyle, before we wrap it up here, just tell our listener, listeners where they can find your work. Well, thank you guys so much for, for having me on that. The benefit of us trying to do this several times, I've got a chance to, to talk with both of you guys several times. I've really enjoyed that. Uh, really appreciate both of you guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, as far as where you can find my stuff, I can be found uh, on Twitter. My handle's at FranchiseKF. Um, as Ryan said, I do work with Dynasty Football Factory. You can find profiles on a lot of these players that I've talked about. I profiled the majority of these guys, or I shouldn't say the majority, several of these guys last year. Um, we've, uh, I work on a, a team of, of great guys over at Dynasty Football Factory. We put together something called the Debbie Watch, and we go through everything from incoming freshmen all the way to rising seniors, and we look at quarterbacks, tight ends, running backs, wide receivers, and um, this year we, we profile 294 different players, and we give you a big board. We give you a, um, you know, a profile, including some of the breakout metrics that I've talked about on each player, uh, and then just our scouting reports of what we saw on them on film. So um, do anything college-related. If you don't want to hear about college football, uh, I wouldn't follow me on Twitter because that's about all you're <laughs> going to get. And uh, the occasional uh, TV show or movie recommendation, which we'll have to go there <laughs> once we're offline as well, Ryan, because you're one of my confidants as it comes to that. So thanks again um, so much uh, for you guys both having me on. I, re- I really enjoyed um, getting a chance to come and chat. Thanks again, Kyle. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint. I'll do it right now.